Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and as always I want to thank you for joining us here today. And I want to also thank Crystal Wright, my dear friend, for coming back. We are doing a deep dive into the book of Galatians and here we are this week once again. Crystal, thank you for joining me. Thank you for being willing to study this amazing book with me. How are you today? Yeah, thank you. You're and you're welcome. I've really enjoyed getting into Galatians and learning alongside of you as we've pulled these scriptures out. Mm, it is such an amazing book, a convicting book, and Paul is repeating himself. He's very much wanting us and needing us to understand that if we are in bondage to the law, if we are relying on the law to save us, if we are in any way adding anything to the gospel of grace, the cross of Jesus Christ, it's all foolishness. And like you said it so well, so succinctly last week, it's actually a betrayal of the cross of Jesus Christ. If we are in any way adhering to the law or hanging on to it for our righteousness and our salvation. So this week we find ourselves in Galatians chapter 5, specifically verse 7. But Crystal, before we get into that, I'm going to ask you to do a very quick recap for us. Last week, we talked about only the cross. It's only the cross. And as I've already stated, that's a reoccurring theme throughout the book. This week, Galatians 5.7 says, you were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? So as we pull truth out of this, would you first go back, give us a quick recap and then pull out a truth that you're working through as you pray over this passage and a truth that you would encourage all of the listeners to make and adhere to their lives with you. Yeah, so the context of this whole chapter, you're right, is really about not setting aside the grace that has been given us in Jesus, not letting anything else come in like we've been talking about. And last week it was the word, the language that was used said, we do not set aside the grace. This week in um, the beginning of chapter five, it talks about falling away from the grace that we've received. So Paul is addressing a specific concern that's happening in the church where they're wanting to bring the Old Testament law back in as part of what you need to do to be made right with God. And he is very passionately through all six chapters of the book of Galatians hitting home the point that we simply do not need to be under anything anymore except for the cross of Christ and the redemption and the grace and the forgiveness that we have in him. So this week is kind of, it's just a continuation of that. I would say in some ways this week, he's, he started off really broad in addressing the large church and he's just keeps narrowing um, closer and closer. It's, I, I get the feeling that he doesn't want us to like stop midway of getting to the bottom of what's going on here. It's like, no, I'm going to push you a little bit further and we're going to look a little bit more personally now about how you personally are running the race of following Christ. And so the truth that I um, really spent my time looking at this week was I was curious to know what Paul meant when he said that you are running the race so well. And other translations use the word, you are running a good race. And so I was just curious, what it was, what does he mean by that? What does it look like to run this race well of being a follower of Jesus? And so I looked at the chapter, of the, 
all of chapter five, and I found different descriptions that he uses that describe what it looks like to run the race well and also what it looks like to not be running your race well. I guess I'll start with the the negatives. We'll get those out of the way <laughs> first. Good. But yeah. um, some of the things, some of the marks of no longer running a good race are things like being burdened again by false saviors or the law works. So taking that burden back on, being thrown into confusion, starting to listen to a voice and voices around you that are not the voice of our Heavenly Father, and also being led by the flesh and not the spirit. Mm. So those are some of the markers in chapter five, if you read the chapter, that really fall under that you're no longer running a good race. Mm. So convicting. Yeah. So then on the the other side of it, it's like, okay, then what does it look like to run a good race, Paul? What do you what do you want us to be pursuing? What does this look like? And the the things that come up in this chapter is again the, what we've been talking about: living under freedom and grace. And last week we talked about really receiving the forgiveness of Jesus and living in that identity, living under freedom and grace. The second one is living in holiness. When we're running a good race, we're no longer controlled by the flesh. And then the third one, when we're running a good race, we're living lives that are serving one another in love. Or as this chapter says at one point, it's faith expressing itself in love. So I think that's helpful to start with of, okay, Paul's calling us out, calling um, these Christians out about, hey, you were running a good race. That has changed and maybe here's some markers or descriptions of things to be looking for. Mm. That's really helpful. And I love the recap that you gave us. Um, my mind goes to verse four. And when I'm looking for a recap of what we've already covered in the book of Galatians, verse four says, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. He's using some really strong language here. And I love what you just did. It helps us to look at what are we choosing? It's very, very clear. We're either choosing Jesus and the completed work on the cross as enough, or we're saying, I need something else. And if we're choosing something else, we're cut off from Jesus altogether. Mm -hmm. So Paul is repeating himself because he really wants us to get this. And I agree with you. He's getting more and more specific, starts the book really broadly. And now it's very clear in verse seven, he's not just talking about a people group. He's talking about a person. Crystal, I'd love it that you focused on the first half of the verse, which is you were running the race so well, because as I've been meditating on this verse, I was really focused on the second half, which says, who has held you back from following the truth? The first thing that jumps out, he's not saying, did someone hold you back from following the truth? He's saying, who was it? And mm -hmm. I read that and I go, oh, ouch. Like, there, there's not a lot of wiggle room here. Because <laughs> if I say, nobody's holding me back from following the truth, then I am the one holding me back from following the truth. How do I know if I'm following the truth? It's the second list that you just gave highlighted for us in the verse just prior faith expressing itself in love. That's how I know if I'm walking in the truth, 
faith will be expressing itself in love. Jesus's love for me and my ability to love others. Mm -hmm. If it's anything other than receiving his love and loving others in return, then I am deceived. I have fallen away. And either somebody else has tripped me up. The word in the Greek is hindered. So held you back means to hinder you. And one of the pictures in the Greek is to restrain. We're being restrained or held back. I see almost like a leash pulling us back from the grace, pulling us back from the truth. So there's some force behind that. The enemy's using someone or something to pull us away from Jesus. It's quite a picture. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not completely dependent on the com- on the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, then we are being pulled away from the truth. And Paul is saying, who caused you to stumble? Who is holding you back? And if we can't identify through the power of the Holy Spirit that somebody else in our life has tripped us up, then we are allowing ourselves by not actively responding to the work of the Holy Spirit, by by, by not being in the word, by not prioritizing our prayer lives. If we are getting complacent or lethargic or just Can I use the word lazy? A little (laughs) bit lazy. Like, you know what? I read the Bible last week. That's good enough. Paul is saying, watch out. Now, to really understand fully what he's trying to say here in the second half of the verse, I'd like to read just real quickly a couple of the verses right after verse 7. He continues on in verse 8 to say, it certainly isn't God. Isn't God what? Again, the one holding you back. Mm -hmm. God isn't holding you back for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing these false teachings. God is going to judge that person. I mean, how much more specific can he be? That person, whoever he is, who has been troubling and confusing you. Now, it's interesting to me that Paul uses this analogy, this illustration of yeast, because this is Jesus's illustration. Mm-hmm. In fact, this, this picture, this visual, this imagery of yeast is used almost 58 times throughout scripture. And Jesus uses it, just, just one parable is found twice, the same parable in Matthew 13, 33, same parable, Luke 13, 20 through 21. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being like yeast, where you take just a little bit of yeast and it spreads through the whole batch of dough. Now, Paul is borrowing Jesus's parable and he's saying, just like the kingdom of heaven spreads, guess what else spreads? Deception, your sin. And so the message that he's trying to help us grab a hold of and understand this is serious, guys, is you may be saying it's no big deal. A couple Christians here in the early church have gone away from the truth following the Judaizers, which again, those are the Jews that are saying you need something in addition to the cross. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law. You need something in addition to the cross of Jesus Christ to be you know, whole, to be made right with God. Those Judaizers are right now, maybe not a big deal. It it sounds like the way Paul wrote this, people are criticizing him saying, Paul, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Calm down, buddy. It's not that big of a deal. And I get convicted by that crystal because I think sometime, I'll go first. I think sometime 
I am tempted to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. That person's sin or, you know, the belief that's going through the church, that, you know, that book, that teaching that's out there, it's not that big of a deal. But just like the kingdom of heaven spreads a little bit through the whole dough, so does deception and so does our sin. So we really are being admonished here to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us and to look in the mirror and change our appearance, not just be men and women that look in the mirror and say, oh, wow, I've got mud all over my face and do nothing about it and walk away. He's saying this is a big deal because it's going to spread through your life, through the lives of the people that you influence, and ultimately into the body of Christ. So God is going to judge that person. But right now, our responsibility, Paul is saying, your responsibility is to look at whether or not your faith is being expressed in love. And if it's being expressed in anything else, what is that? Judgment. You mentioned confusion. Being critical. Take stock of it and deal with it. I don't think Paul is saying, identify that person who's troubling and confusing you because he wants us to put our eyes on another person, Crystal. I think for one moment he's saying, who is it that has thrown you off course? Identify that person, even if that person is you, so that you recognize your eyes are not on Jesus because your eyes cannot both be on that person or on yourself and on Jesus. So take stock, course correct. It's not too late but don't minimize it. Don't be cavalier about it. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you if you are dependent and reliant on anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you are, deal with it now before it spreads and it becomes an even bigger problem. That's the truth that I pull out of this verse. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of truth. It's it doesn't important feel though. Like, it doesn't feel like a one truth, but it is one truth. It's, it is. It all goes back to the simplicity of you were running well. Who threw you off course? Identify that person. Acknowledge your sin. Repent of your sin. Put Jesus Christ back on the throne of your heart and your life. So this lends itself very easily to making a choice. So Crystal, what is the choice that you encourage our listeners to make from this passage in the week ahead. I'm going to be sexist for a moment and talk from the place that I know. So I'm going to talk specifically about women. Um, okay. I, I think back of how in the very beginning, God created women in the context of relationship from the start. And so I know as women, how powerful relationships are in our lives and as Christian women, how powerful Christian community has to be in our lives. And so I like what you said about this isn't about really focusing in on maybe the person that's, you know, tripping us up or getting us held back. It's not about that. But at the same time, I think we have to be so aware and prayerful and careful about the friendships that we allow into our life? And are they friendships that are pushing us towards that positive list that we talked about, living in grace, living in holiness, living in love? Are those the friendships we have in our life? And, you know, Dr. Cloud, he's a Christian psychologist, and he always uses this analogy, which I just loved. He said, you know, we're all going to have some kooks in our life. We need kooky people in our life that keep life interesting, (laughs) but 
You don't let the kooks, that's his words, not mine. He can say that. You don't let them into your inner circle. Mm. And I think that there's real biblical wisdom in our most intimate inner circle as people that want to follow Christ, that we have, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are putting their eyes on Christ, pushing us towards that. And Proverbs 12, 26 tells us, you know, the righteous choose their friends wisely. Mm. It's the wicked that don't. So I think that would be my challenge for us to look at how do we establish surrounding our inner circle with women or men. I'm sure this applies across sexes (laughs) with people that are pushing us towards the grace of Jesus and not away. Absolutely. I love your humility, but that absolutely applies to men as well. Along with that, I would say my choice for myself and for all of our listeners this week is instead of trying to focus on a person that is troubling me or causing me to fall away, hindering me, restraining me, holding me back from the truth. In the context of this verse, what's really challenging me and the choice that I pull out is to not minimize areas where I am growing maybe lethargic or a little bit lazy in my relationship with the Lord. Now is a perfect time at the beginning of a year to say, you know what? I'm really going to prioritize spending more time in the word. I really want self-feeding on God's word to be my primary focus in my relationship with him. Reading books is good. Listening to preachers is good. Getting information about God's word through other people, other resources is good, but nothing is as powerful as God speaking to me directly through his word and through the ministry of his spirit. And I think for all of us, myself included, it gets really easy to be secondhand feeders spiritually. And all we have to do is go back to the Garden of Eden and remember how secondhand feeding goes. Secondhand feeding is Adam heard from God directly. God told Adam, don't eat of this tree, eat of everything else. Eve got secondhand information. How did she do? Not so well. We need to be hearing from God directly, being in his word, listening in prayer. I'm a big fan of asking the Holy Spirit to help me hear as Jesus speaks to me. Because in John, Jesus says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. I can hear through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a big fan of writing down what I hear Jesus say to me in the form of a journal that can't be stolen away, that can't be ripped away from me. I can't be restrained from the truth of hearing Jesus speak to me directly. So the choice I make from this passage is no excuses really making in this new year, it's a priority to spend more time listening to the voice of truth so that his love is my motivation and my faith is expressing itself through receiving his love and loving others in return. Without that confusion you talked about, without a critical spirit, without looking to judge or condemn or be right, this freedom I am extravagantly loved. I am under grace. I am under the freedom of the cross. This whole chapter is titled Freedom in Christ. So the choice I have to make is I can express that freedom by truly believing how loved I am and loving others without conditions or qualifiers. 
without hurdles for them to jump through, without needing them to be perfect or for me to agree with them. I can just freely love them. And I agree with you, Dr. Cloud's kooks, they don't need to be in the inner circle, but I can still love them, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's the choice that I take away from this passage. Crystal, I really feel like we need one more week in Galatians because this is a full-on Bible study. I mean, this is Paul, you know, in chapter six, he says, look at what large letters I use when I write. It's like he's shouting, you know, it's like the equivalent of typing in all caps. So he's not quite done. So I don't think we're quite done. Let's spend one more week in Galatians. Let's focus on Galatians chapter six, verse two next week. Would that be okay with you? Yep. Sounds like a great way to wrap it up. Wonderful. Crystal, would you close us in prayer, please? Father, once again, we are humbled and grateful to be your children, to be recipients of your grace, of your forgiveness, and of the power of your word. Thank you. Thank you for speaking through Paul to give us a message, Lord, that we need to hear. It's been 2,000 years, and we need this message. Um, We need that reminder to hold fast to Jesus to keep our eyes on you. So thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that as we really um, sit in the truth that you've given us of your grace, that, that we would be teachable, that we would be humble, that we would allow you, Holy Spirit, to transform our lives. I know, Lord, that you will not trick us. So we put our faith and our trust in you, and we know that you will help us to continue to run a good race. You will protect us when we need to be protected. And I pray that for the listeners, that you would um, surround them with people that help them run a good race, that you would protect them spiritually in their hearts and in their minds um, from taking their eyes off of you, even for one moment. And once again, thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.